Welcome to Culture Matters, a podcast that explores the intersection of faith and culture. I'm Elizabeth Woodson, and I'm here with my co-host, Adam Hawkins, and our producer, David Roark. Adam, how are you doing today? I am doing good. I'm super happy that I'm the only Adam on the podcast today, so there's no confusion, because I know it's hard to tell us apart. So It, it is hard. It's hard. I have to watch myself. <laughs> one, of, one of you is smarter than the other, but I'm not going to name names here, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, if you just, I mean, you can share if you want to, David. <laughs> Adam is smarter. I'll just say Okay. That. Okay. Okay. This is starting out real strong. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, y'all. In this episode, we are going to talk about the issue of abortion. And we are going to try to get to the bottom of some of its, some of its realities and complexities. We know this is a topic that is common conversation among Christians, and we want to do it justice today by talking about the ways in which it's complex, but also how we need to think about it as Christians. Having a conversation about abortion is never easy. Um, It is a complicated issue. It's a sensitive issue. And so with that said, before we go any further, I just want to say to any of our listeners, if you have ever had an abortion or been a part of one, we want you to know that there is grace for you. Um, That it doesn't, this doesn't change the Lord's love for you, his compassion for you, his desire to be in community with you. And so in today's conversation, our goal is not to shame or to guilt but to talk about how we as a people of God can lean into this issue and to love one another well. And so with that said, let's unpack the issue a little more before we get into the discussion points that we have for today. And I want to start with you, David. I want to throw this question to you. Why is abortion such a difficult and sensitive issue? Um, honestly, there are fewer things that get people worked up in the church than other than this issue. Why do you think that is? Well, you've already mentioned a few times that it's a complex issue, and I think that that's part of why it's such a sensitive issue. Is it's complex in the in the way that if it affects a lot of different people, and it hits on a lot of things that I think a lot of people really care about. And I think just as we talked about, you know, those listening who have potentially had an abortion or been in a part of, been a part of an abortion, like that's a huge. Um, you know, group of people, if you think about the statistics, like I've heard people say like one in four people, you know, in your church have probably, you know, had an abortion, been involved with one. And so the stats are crazy. And so there's a personal aspect to this that I think that like, whatever side you're kind of on, on the personal side, like, you know, people have some, some experience in this and, and it's probably sensitive. There's baggage, there's hurt, there are wounds, and so I think that there's a personal aspect to it, but then there's this like, there's this bigger, this bigger part of it to where, and I would say probably it's so sensitive because it's become such a political issue. Like, it, you know, it's a left versus right issue now. I don't think it should be. And we can talk about that here in a little bit, but yeah. like, you know, this has become kind of like that issue that the right's going to stand a certain way. The left is going to stand a certain way. And, um, people are just so quick to get worked up about it because of that. And, um, 
Yeah, there's 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 way more to it than that. And I, I do think that at the end of the day, a lot of Christians get really worked up about this issue because I do believe that they see abortion as the taking of a human life and they see the tragedy of that because, you know, we believe that all humans are made in God's image. But um, and so I think just when you think about that particular thing and you think about the millions uh, of children who have been aborted in America alone, it's heartbreaking. And, and I think it is cost to get really worked up and, and really um, passionate and compassionate uh, about this particular issue. I think it's like what we do with that compassion and that passion, though, that's yeah. so, so important. But I, I don't know. That's some of the reasons maybe it's so sensitive. You know, this is a topic that we have talked about a lot on Culture Matters, and I think it's important to keep bringing it back up, partially because it's it's in the um, it's such a it's such a hot cultural topic. But maybe maybe we could talk a little bit about why we are bringing it up now. And I think uh, you know, just part of it is we've just been through an election cycle and there was so much said about abortion in this election cycle. I think there's a lot of trepidation uh, that people have as we enter into a new, um, uh, you know, presidency uh, and and Biden coming in. And I I just think, again, it seems that this topic is coming back up. So is there any other reason that you, you know, you guys want to point out that why we're revisiting this topic? I might, I just might elaborate on, I think you are probably bringing up the number one reason why we would talk about it. And I think if, you know, elephant in the room is that, you know, Donald Trump was just president for four years. Now he's not. And one of the number one reason, like probably the number one reason that so many evangelical Christians chose to vote for him and support him was because of the issue of abortion. Um, And they believe that he was in line with, you know, a pro-life approach. And so that's, um, you know, what they would say. And I think now we're, he's out and Joe Biden's in. And the, the reality is that he's going to overturn a lot of the things that Trump did related to this particular issue. And I think that we're going to, I'm already starting to see outcries, you know, from the pro-life, you know, community about some of these things that he's going to do, you know, potentially, um, you know, allowing some of the government funding for Planned Parenthood to go back to, you know, you know, being used for abortions and things like that. And so it's just going to continue to be a huge topic in our, you know, in our culture. And I think it's as hot button as ever given like the election cycle, like you're saying. Yeah, that's, that's, that's probably more well said than I said it, but I, I, I just want to point out the other thing you were saying too, David, is that it's such a, um, it's become such a political uh, issue. It's it seems to sort of fall on these very interesting political lines. Um, it's it's interesting for those in the pro life movement um, how certain boundaries are set, and 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 same as in pro choice. It seems like there is almost this. Um, there are like rules that are set. There are things you can talk about and not talk about on each side. There are landmines in each side. And I think what becomes so important, uh, just kind of pointing those things out, what becomes so important is that we Christians have to think about this in a Christian way. There's a unique approach that we're able to offer that doesn't have to follow all the sort of political boundaries that have been erected maybe by these movements themselves. 
Um, and it's an issue we have to handle with a lot of care, right? And the church hasn't always done that. The church hasn't always done that. Sometimes we've sort of blundered and we've walked into some things here that, that haven't been helpful. Like we do with any other issue that we see presented in culture, that our framework is, is structured around scripture and what our Bible says. Um, and so, David, you mentioned a really good word, not a really good word, but I think an important word, and that is tragedy. Um, that our hearts are broken by the loss of life um, that we see happen through abortion. And again, when you say one out of four people, that lets us know that this is a really big deal and a really huge issue. Um, and the amount of children who have lost their lives over the years because of abortion. And again, I think this idea of tragedy and loss of life. Um, why from a biblical framework? And it might seem obvious to some and not to others. Why should that loss of life matter to us? I mean, I think, you know, maybe to state the obvious here, I think the life of, life of loss is so tragic to again use that word because um, we don't believe humans are just another type of animal. You know, <laughs> that's, you know, that's our theology. We, we're not, um, we believe that humans are distinct and different and that they were made in the image of God. And because of that, you know, all humans have equal dignity, value, worth, and um, anytime a particular group of, of people um, are oppressed or um, there's injustice toward them, and, and in this case, it's the loss of, of actual life, like blatant actual life, I, I think that like it's a um, it's a stain on the image of God, you know. It's it's erasing the image of God, and I don't think you know the image of God is is nothing to take lightly. I was thinking there's this author that I like. His name's uh, Haim Potok. He's a Jewish rab. He was a Jewish rabbi, and he wrote a lot of different books. But he had this quote in one of his books, and it's any man who has caused a single soul to perish, it is it as if he had caused the whole world to perish because he also kills all the children and children's children who might have come from that person. It's from a book called My Name is Asher Lev. And it just like, it gets at that idea of like, as the image of God is, there's kind of that those two parts to it too. Like one, we image God and we have worth, mm -hmm. but also as image bearers, we go therefore, and, you know, we, we uh, extend creation. We, you know, it's that creation mandate. And as a part of that, we have families, we have kids and they have kids. And so when we take a human life, we're putting an end to that like bloodline, to that lineage. And I don't know, that's just nothing, nothing small, nothing to take lightly. Yeah. I mean, I think the the significance of, again, image bears the significance of what God was seeking to do in creation. Um, just the fullness of this world that he sought to cultivate through our hands um, and the gift of life that we are created beings and we get our direction from our creator. And he shows us what how we ought to live and how we ought to be. And so, you know, this value of life comes really from him. And that's, that's what you were saying, David. And I think what we see also fleshed out through the biblical narrative is this interconnected reality that we have. And so that it's not just this... Uh, because abortion is a complex issue. We're going to get into that. I think we're going to talk about some of the, the things that make it difficult for Christians to get their hands around this issue well. But it's the idea that, to me, it's a symptom of something that's happening within a society that's broken. 
And so that our vision should not just be this one issue, should be not just individual, but corporate. Like, how do we give love to this society that's full of image bearers? How do we have compassion on um, the image bearer who had the abortion or was involved in the abortion, as well as the image bearer whose life was lost? Um, and so I think there's this complexity in how do we set the world back right through the values of the kingdom of God that we see present in scripture and this corporate responsibility to say, oh, society's broken. And so it's not just this person going to a clinic, like there are other things going on that I need to be responsible for too, um, because I think that the Bible presents this holistic vision of care for those in our community. What would you say about some of that stuff, Adam? Yeah, that is just so well said and like really beautiful. I think so often um, we we kind of go to, and they're, and they're great passages and they're great points of theology to go to when we when we talk about um, um looking for God's heart towards the unborn in scripture. Uh, it's, it's some of the things we just talked about in Imago Dei. We go to where God's talking about, uh, you, you know, before the foundations of the world, he knows who we are. He's knitting us together in our mother's wombs. You, you know, we hear all those kind of things. But what you just described was something that we maybe not don't touch on all the time, which is this, this idea of something communal, um, the idea that, uh, that, that, um, that abortion as a symptom of, of a broken society and seeing the world sort of broken and what happens with that. I mean, if there are ways I wonder sometimes if we, um, if, if we don't see, sometimes we don't take the time to see the full implications in scripture. And here's what I mean by that. It's like in, in creation, God makes Adam and Eve, and then he gives them this creation mandate to be fruitful and multiply. And you see this, um, you see this vision for the earth and it's, and it's, um, you see this vision for this couple and it's to have children and fill the earth and you see this flourishing happen, human flourishing happen. And so I think even like written in the, the very, the, the heart of God we see for perfect creation has with it this reverence, not just for life that's there, but for the capacity for life, if, if that's a way to say it, um, uh, f- for that sort of vision for what we could be. And I think, I think it's, it's not so simple to, it, it doesn't always have to be, we don't always have to find these like direct examples in scripture um, to know that God cares about the unborn or the oppressed or the vulnerable. It's, it's almost in the very, um, it's almost seen in his very heart as he talks about um, what the perfect picture of the world could have been when he talks about Eden and when he talks about the new Jerusalem. I know I'm, I know it may sound like I'm reaching a bit there, but I, I often think um, that in a, in a perfect world that God describes, there isn't a place for snuffing out the potential of life or a life. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Is that making sense at all? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think because it is this idea of uh, the God did not give us the earth in some sense fully formed in terms of he left this potential for us to tap into. And so that he intended for uh, children to grow to adults who were able to build up this world. And those children um, have not been given ability, have not been given a right to life. And that matters. Like the intentionality with which we see God breathe forth um, 
the intentionality we see in the creation narrative, I think, speaks to what you're talking about, Adam. And and I think anytime, anytime we oppress the vulnerable, of which abortion is a piece of that, in some sense, what we're saying is we are um, rejecting that creation mandate to be fruitful mm-hmm. and multiply. It's a rejection of God's vision for human flourishing. Yeah, and I think... Man, I'm so glad we're talking about this piece of it because um, so much of our theology around abortion is so much based on like the sin or depravity piece of it, like what's went wrong. But what you're getting at is like, let's talk more about like God's vision for family because that's a huge part of the theology around abortion. And, you know, like what could be or what's supposed to be, but it, it becomes so... And I'm kind of, I wanted to talk about this a little bit later when we talk about the pro-life movement, but like our theology of abortion has become so much about like what we're against and not like what we're for. And that's just not a, that's not a very compelling theology, you know, and it's, it's not a fully formed theology. And then like, you know, when I think theologically about this issue too, like we have to think about other things like the character of God. God is compassionate. God is slow to anger. He's kind. You know, Jesus calls himself gentle and lowly. I think about like, you know, the, the, the passage of Jesus and the woman at the well and just the way that Jesus interacted with sinners, you know, and like those are huge theological points and frameworks that like just oftentimes get lost in this discussion because like we can't like we got to hold like all these things together when we're talking about this issue and thinking about this issue and then even thinking about solutions for this issue because if we like if we leave one of them aside and we just focus on you know thou shall not kill as it relates to abortion then it's just going to be a very single-minded um it's not going to be a wrong theology but it, it's not going to be the full picture and I think if you don't have the full picture and you don't have that, you know, you're not thinking about the Christian story in its grander terms, then it's just it's just short-sighted. Yeah, I think that short-sighted gets us into some unsavory places where people uh, recognize Christians more for what we're against and the beautiful vision of shalom that we're for. And they miss the vision and just see antagonism. And that just, I feel like that also doesn't do justice to who we are called to be in this world. Yeah. And one thing that I want to talk about here is, you know, in, in talking about a theology of abortion is, you know, I remember being in the training program at the Village Church maybe five years ago. And we talk about um, three different um, theology in kind of three different ways, Christian story, Christian belief, and Christian practice. And like Christian practice is this idea of like living out those beliefs. And like one of the things that I I would love to hear you talk about, Elizabeth, is like, what are some of like, because this is huge when it comes to the issue of abortion, like what are some of the principles or like uh, methodologies that are helpful for us when we take like what, to, in my opinion, is a pretty like high level theology, like humans are made in God's image, you know, thou shall not kill children are a blessing. God is merciful. Like, and, but then like, then you got to take that like all the way down this road and get it into this very, very specific issue that has nuances, even in 2021 in America, in our specific context with specific policies. And it just 
like what are some of the ways that we can like safely and faithfully, I guess, trickle down that theology into these specific things? Yeah, I mean, I think I always like to think of it as boundaries for the box. And so what ideas or theological convictions help me stay in the right space? And when I get past those, when do I go into an area where I might be fighting for the wrong thing in the wrong way or trying to apply this theological idea in the wrong way? And so to me, I think one of the, you know, you have this theological ideas about the Imaho Day and the value of human life and, and God's intentionality and in creation. And out of that, what we believe is that everybody has inherent dignity and worth. And so that includes the child whose life I'm fighting for and the person who walked into the abortion clinic um, and had an abortion. And so how do I hold those tensions together? Um, and so when it comes to engaging policy or, or what, what um, the ways in which we try to work out our beliefs is that I'm responsible for caring for everybody in the equation, that I can't just get away from caring for one side and then demonizing the other no, in the same way that we saw Jesus, uh, like you talked about, that he engaged those um, who weren't necessarily walking in his way, but he cared enough about them to come and lift their burdens and provide relief for them um, in the pathway of following him. And so I think the big one for me is that we have to um, apply it to both sides of the line, and we generally get in trouble when we only apply it to one um, that we don't get off um, the hook when it comes to those kinds of things with theological ideas. And then I think it's being okay with nuance. Like the Bible does not give us every single answer for how we're going to do every single thing in um, this world. The Bible just gives us wisdom. Um, and so we learn more about God. We learn about more about his heart for uh, this world and who, how he calls us to move and interact with other people and, and, and fight for the things that are valuable to him. And then we, in wisdom, walk it out by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I think that there's a lot of grace and humility that's combined with that. And to acknowledge that I might not have all the right answers, that this is a complex issue and it's hard, it's not going to be solved in one day. But as long as I kind of stay in these boundaries of the box, then the Holy Spirit can kind of keep me moving in a way that I'm going to honor creation, I'm going to honor humanity, and I'm going to do my best. And I'm called to, like, it just... There's a lot of division. There's a lot of nastiness that can happen in this conversation. And to me, I think it's love and care and concern for everybody on both sides of the issue. You said something there, Elizabeth, that I I want to ask about because you talked about caring for both sides. You talked about applying this theology of care um, to both sides. Um, and, and I'm wondering if what you're getting at when you say both sides there is... Um, we don't just care for the unborn, but the mother too. And um, I'm interested about this because I actually saw a trailer. There's a movie coming out. I think it's called Personhood. And I don't know anything about it. So please don't email me about it. I just watched a trailer. And in the trailer, I, I'm wondering if you guys think it's a false choice. But basically what they're saying is they use very like, you know, sort of um, clickbait uh, terms like we're criminalizing um, mothers, basically, uh, or pregnant women. But basically what they're saying is so often what happens in the pro-life movement is once a woman becomes pregnant, her personhood is erased in order to make sure the unborn's personhood is asserted. And, um, you know, I don't know, maybe that maybe that's language is just being a bit provocative, but I have wondered about that. Like they, they have a guy on there who's 
calling women hosts instead of women, pregnant women. He calls them a host. He thinks that's the best term for them. It's just like kind of scary, right? And so anyways, my, my, my whole point in even bringing up that trailer was it made me start to think about this is, is do we often forget, has the church forgotten about mothers and in, in, in trying to do a good thing, which is assert the right to life for the unborn, have we in some ways negated rights that the pregnant women, woman has? I know that's really controversial to say, but just throwing mm-hmm. it out there like that. What are y'all's thoughts about that? I would say yes and no from, you know, I, what I've seen. You know, I worked with the pro-life organization for not a long time, but I saw a lot and learned a lot during that experience and, you know, saw a lot of different clinics and other organizations out there. And I do think that it it becomes sort of this generalization about the pro-life community that they don't care about mothers and that churches and Christians don't care about mothers and only unborn babies. Uh, So, and I think that when you look at a lot of these clinics and the work that they do to come around pregnant mothers and support them financially, get them into counseling and just like wrap you know, a community around them and love and try to help them. It, it really works against that narrative that, um, many Christians haven't historically cared about mothers, but you know, when it gets into talking, I say that, but at the same time, I do think that there's a reality to like other parts of the pro-life community and, uh, movement that have negated mothers for sure. And I think that even the way we often talk about the issue of abortion and legalizing abortion and criminal criminalizing women, um, it definitely puts them kind of in the backseat, you know, in the conversation, because I mean, like I should have said this up front, but like, you know, one of the things I quickly learned when I worked at a pro-life organization is that like most of these women do not want to get an abortion. They hate abortion. They don't believe in abortion. They think it's wrong. They think it's a sin. Most of them are Christians. (laughs) Um, And most of them feel desperate and they feel like there's no other thing that they can do. And I'm not saying that that's right thinking, but there's just so much going on with them and they've experienced trauma, usually have been abused, usually have come from just the most difficult situation you can probably picture in your head right now. That's the majority of these women who are, you know, coming to these clinics or, you know, considering the situation. And so like, I think we certainly lose sight of that when we talk about this issue and we talk about, you know, laws and legislation, like we totally forget about like, what about, and I'm starting to get into like, you know, what's wrong about the pro-life movement, but like, you know, what about the things that we could fix that keep women from getting in these situations altogether? And what would that do for abortion? Instead of just spending all of our time and energy talking about, oh, if we made abortion illegal or if we legalize this, then it's just going to put an end to everything. But like, I think getting to the root of the problem means getting to those situations and uh, systems and structures and histories that have put these women in these situations to begin with. Um, a lot of times not by choice, not even by their own decisions, but I think it's yes and no. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I would say to say this, say a similar thing. Um, you know, I think that there is this narrative um, for the average Christian who's not heavily involved um, 
understands their need to vote in the right direction, and I put right in air quotes, um, and really think it's a one, it's a political issue that has one easy solution. Um, And the reality, like my experience and the stories that I've heard have been similar to what you were saying, David, and they don't want this, um, that their life has brought them to this place where this might be the best option they feel. Um, But that's because they're in a hard situation. You think about uh, whether it's abuse, whether it's economic resources, whether it's access to health care, um, whether it's just a lack of su- a supportive community um, and the real fear that if they bring a child into the world, that the child will suffer significantly because of the life that they are just leading. Um, and so the need for us to be aware of everybody has a story, like everybody has a reason why they make certain decisions And so to resist the need to reduce people to a simple narrative of, oh, you're a horrible person making a really bad decision. No, you're in a tough place. And so what are some of the things that got you to this tough place? And what is my responsibility to help fix those so you don't, this isn't an option for you um, because there are other things in your life that you didn't have to encounter. Um, And so uh, even for what I see on social media or how it's talked about sometimes in churches, um, that we need to expand the narrative to humanize them as mothers trying to make a decision instead of um, separating them. And some of that, sometimes it's a health issue. Like it's not, it's not easy. Like it's a complex, it's complex. And that we give uh, credence to that person is um, an image bearer and they have a story and we ought to lean into that and not reduce it, which we often do. That's yeah, really and I good. Think that's, go ahead. I was just going to reframe and say, like, I, I, I think, you know, part of what we're talking about is where the church has fallen short, or maybe maybe better is to say where the pro-life movement's fallen short. But I think the two things I'm hearing as you guys are talking is um, that uh, where, I think what's important is to get that right, that because when we get that answer right, where's the church fallen short, when we get that answer right, um, then we're able to actually grow or get better or find find better solutions. And so it's not that, like, I, I think it's important to say, like, we're part of churches who, while I'm sure we have so much room to grow, that trope of, like, you know, the uncaring sort of check the box, whatever, it's just not, it's just not, it, I have not experienced that uh, firsthand. I've experienced a lot of people who are, dedicated to things like adoption, who are partnering with organizations who do care about mothers, who, uh, you know, been in congregations that have surrounded those mothers and helped them through it. And so I think it's important to kind of say, like, um, some of some of that is probably uh, is, is probably a trope from the other side you know, a straw man even trying to paint this argument of you only care. But I think there's truth to that too, probably in the wider context. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like what we're saying is sometimes in our zeal to care for the unborn, um, we can one, uh, miss the other life that's in front of us, but two, maybe a better strategy might be focusing on some root causes rather than just legislation. And, um, I think both of those things are good sort of implications to take away from, from what I've heard you guys say. Yeah. Yeah. And, and other, and not just like, um, it's not just focus, not focusing on legislation, but it's focusing on other legislation besides, um, 
you know, just this idea of making abortion illegal um, or making it really difficult to get an abortion. And I'm not saying I'm not for those things. Um, like, I don't think that it should be easy for someone to go get an abortion and make such a huge, tragic decision. Like, I, I, but I, what I'm saying is that, like, there are other there are other issues feeding into this that have to be addressed from a policy standpoint too. And I think um, I hinted at this earlier, but like this idea of systemic racism, which has been a huge topic in our you know country over the last year, is very interwoven with this issue of abortion. And a lot of people aren't talking about that. Like I, I've been looking around, I've been meaning to try to write something on this, but such a difficult thing to ride on but like i think a result of fighting for system or for racial justice a, a byproduct of that and a result will be reducing abortions because i think things like mass incarceration i think like education gaps um you know um employment i mean there's just there's all these issues that are affecting a lot of the people who you look statistically who fall into these situations and end up getting abortions because they don't feel like they have any other help. Um, so I think that it, it's not, it, yeah, you're definitely right that like it, it means that like we have to think about this outside of like politics and government and have a whole host of solutions. But I think it's also like having a little bit broader of a, uh, of a view of the different, you know, policies and things that we can fight for, um, that might, you know, reduce abortions and, and potentially, you know, ultimately end abortion, which kind of brings me into something that I, else that I wanted to talk about with you guys. But like, I think that that is why that's partly why the fact that the pro-life movement and the issue of abortion being politicized is so problematic because, it, it becoming, it becoming politicized means that, you know, you're fighting abortion kind of like one way most of the time, because most of the pro-life movement has kind of fallen, you know, on the side of the right. And that's the whole like movement of the religious right, you know, was formed around this very issue. Um, and the thing is like, that is one way. Um, what I would say is generally kind of like the Republican or GOP approach to ending abortion is this idea of making it illegal. That is one way to address it. But there are things that the left um, is doing that is, you know, you can call it, um, I guess, coincidental or, or maybe ironic um, because, you know, people, some people, you know, who would affiliate themselves with the left, you know, would be pro-choice and for a women's right to get an abortion. But a lot of the other policies and things they fight for actually help end abortion and stop abortion. And so when you make it so politicized, like you miss out on all these things that maybe this other party is doing that can help. Whereas I think the pro-life movement needed to, needs to figure out a way to like build a bridge between both parties, be bipartisan, be separate from this, figure out how they can work with the Republicans to end abortion and how they can work with Democrats to end abortion and realize and I'm I'm going all over the place here because, like I said, I, this has all been kind of on my heart, and I've been thinking about it a lot lately. But uh, like I think that building those bridges is so important. But it's also understanding that like maybe the people on the left who are pro-choice aren't like aren't what you think they are. Like, and maybe listening to them and hearing like what they really want to accomplish is 
it's not as crazy as you might think it is because a lot of, you know, a lot of people in the pro-life movement consider people that use the word pro-choice, like they won't use the word pro-choice. They say pro-abortion and you can flip this the other way. I think you mentioned this once, Adam, that like people on the other side will call pro-life people anti-abortion, you know? So it's like kind of this name calling thing, but like what we're really doing is reducing someone and their politics and their views to like a very narrow thing, which just isn't true. Like I, I've met a lot of people who aren't even Christians and who would identify themselves as being pro-choice, but most of those people don't want abortion to happen. Most of those people think it's, thinks it, think it's tragic. I don't know why they can still reach some of the conclusions that they do. And it bothers me and I don't, I don't get it. But like, if you hear them out and listen, I think you'd be surprised how, a lot of these people are trying to solve the same thing and have some of the same goals and they just don't realize it. Yeah. I mean, the ability to sit down and have a conversation with someone who thinks differently from you and be able to hear their concerns or their fears, the reasons why they hold the ideas that they do, and then try to think critically about in what way do my views address those, speak to those. Um, And oftentimes I think that's something that we miss because we just, characterize people, reduce them to simple concepts and don't engage in conversation. Um, You know, and I think I would agree that there is this opportunity. I think that's the word that I thought of when you were talking, David, for Christians to be able to engage in some really tangible ways. So some people might think my only way to help out with this issue of abortion is to vote. And it's like, no, there are a lot of other opportunities for you to affect your community and what might seem to be indirect ways, but that help this issue. Um, and so since uh, I would say, David and Adam, um, what are some ways that you all have seen either yourself or your congregants like practically engage this issue, like practically make a difference outside of the ballot box? Yeah, that's really good. I mean, I'll just be really honest. I, I think um, so. Citizens Church is the church I pastor and. I honestly don't think that we have focused on the political side of this issue, meaning while we absolutely talk about political engagement, we believe that Christians should be involved in the political process and absolutely believe in that. When it's come to this issue specifically, we we actually have really tried to get our people involved on a, on a sort of love your neighbor type basis. So we partner with local organizations that help bring... Um, resources to women um, who are in crisis pregnancies, you might say, or in situations where uh, they're unsure um, of, of uh, basically their situation and whether they want to keep the pregnancy. So any, I'm sure any church out there for any of our listeners can find local organizations who are helping either women find good healthcare solutions Um, but also connecting them to resources that are able to help them, um, you know, ease the burden of their pregnancy, whether that's just simple things like the practicals of diapers and, and, and formula and all those other, other pieces. But it's bigger than, I I would say it's bigger than that. And our, um, our church has tried to be more holistic in our thinking about this. So adoption's really big and, and it's, you know, in our church, we have a, a foster to adopt program. We have uh, many people adopting. We try to celebrate adoption so to make it visible um, because we do think that adoption is a viable 
um, and really beautiful and theologically rich and beautiful um, potential for people who aren't able to uh, uh, care for the, their children or who 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 maybe um, are in such a dire situation that they don't think they're going to be able to raise the child on their own. But the third thing, too, is actually going and getting your hands dirty in, in the cases you can, um, actually surrounding a woman in the, a crisis pregnancy situation and coming around her and helping. And so we we had we have what are called home groups at our church. And there was a woman who uh, was in a crisis pregnancy situation and, and two times now in two separate cases I can think of where we were able to actually do this. And this can be difficult for all kinds of reasons from HIPAA to just, you know, um, finding, you know, you can't just go volunteer at a crisis pregnancy center and come back and say, give a name out and an address or something like that. But in situations where it is possible or where connections are made, um, we, we've had our groups, uh, our home groups, life group, community group, whatever you want to call it, um, pay for housing, um, get people connected to doctors, um, f- help people find jobs. I mean, that very tangible, messy life on life situation. And our church has been able to step forward and help. And I, and, and those are all pretty low hanging fruit. It's not a super high bar to get involved in any of those ways. Adoption certainly has a lot of hoops to jump through. I, I don't mean to make it sound like it's a very, a super simple solution. Same with fostering. You've got to be in a good place to be able to do those things, but n- all of them are very accessible is what I'm trying to say. Um, so, so that's, those are, those are three issues I would say. Yeah. Yeah. And the only, I would affirm all those things, you know, one thing that came to mind is that there's this organization called, um, the source for women and there's a location in Dallas. It started in Austin and, you know, it, it's been led by Christians. A lot of Christians volunteer there, but like, it's one of the, the coolest, most exciting kind of responses that I've seen, um, as it relates to the issue of abortion, specifically like a response to Planned Parenthood. So what they've created at the source is trying to create a brand, um, and a company that actually can compete with Planned Parenthood. It has the high level design and branding and the experience. Granted, you hear a lot of horror stories about Planned Parenthood too. So I don't want to talk them up like they just are some greatly run organization, but, you know, they've created um, this group of clinics, I guess that's probably what you would call them, across Texas. And I think they plan to expand that. They want to they compete with Planned Parenthood. And they, you know, they go pretty far in that. It's not just like a, a normal kind of like um, pregnancy crisis center. Like this is like a place that like they have a real doctor there. They have nurses they, they actually, they offer contraception there. And I know that that might be controversial, you know, to some people in the pro-life movement, but like they are thinking very, um, big picture about this issue of abortion and how to reduce abortions. And I think like seeing Christians be part of those types of movements and start organizations like that is, is really, really encouraging. And I know one of the things that they're doing too is, um, you know, trying to think about how technology can, can help too, like, you know, building apps and, and thinking about things like that, that might connect with young women who are considering getting an abortion, you know, sex education, stuff like that. Um, so yeah, but I think mostly, you know, I'd affirm what Adam is saying here. How about you, Elizabeth? 
Um, I mean, I really would echo what you guys have said in terms of getting involved in the ground. You know, I'm a big person of what it means to come alongside. And so, you know, you can make one decision, but what it like they're going to need help for the weeks and months thereafter um, and to be in relationship with people, um, but also to support like the education system, to engage myself in the criminal justice system. It's like all these arms that help uh, bring a community to a place where this is an issue that is prevalent um, or even just providing employment and jobs um, so that people have the money that they need to provide for themselves and their family. And so, you know, I think to me, I always think about what does it mean to um, like be in the classroom, to be able to help come alongside um, in that space. Like, oh, I got all sorts of ideas, but I think you guys um, hit the nail on the head with most of, most of yours. Because um, the reality is abortion is going to be an issue, has been an issue for a long time, is going to continue to be an issue that's on the forefront of, of our governmental system with some of the things that we're seeing Biden push through. Um, and then kind of how we see whether the left or the right respond to that. And so as always, Christians, that we're called to be in the midst of that and we're called to bring the truth of the gospel, this idea that we have an opportunity to come alongside and love. And so the opportunity puts us in um, the ballot box and legislation that we vote for. Abortion is not a one um, ticket issue, um, that it is complex and multifaceted and that we do our work and our homework. Hopefully this election season showed us that we got work to do to understand what it means to really show up well in our country civically, but also their opportunities in our communities to come alongside men and women, moms and dads, um, who are struggling through these issues and to help love them in the way that uh, God calls us to. Thank you today for listening to Culture Matters. Today's episode was recorded and mixed by Chris Starrett and produced by David Roark. If you like what you heard, please give us a great review where you listen to the podcast. Also, follow us on Instagram and support our patron page at patron.podbeam.com backslash culture matters. Thanks and God bless.